You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. Let's give God praise right now. Let's do that. Thank you, guys. Let's thank our worship team today. Come on, we can do better than that. Great to see you. Please be seated. Well, it's a privilege to introduce our guest speaker today, Simon Lawton. Julia, his wife, was with him. And maybe you was at um, one of our ladies' mornings breakfast where she spoke and also had a book available for you. It was a great morning. Uh, Simon's also wrote two great books, uh, which I would encourage you to, to get for yourself. They're really, really good. So at the info point, there's a little table there on the info point, and Simon and Julia will be there if you would like them to sign a book. So let me encourage you to buy one. Simon and Julia was at Bible College with us. How long was that ago? Long time. I think it's over 25 years ago that we was at Bible College, and uh, Simon and Julia pastored several churches through our movement and now in Banbury. So let's give Simon a massive welcome today and Julia. God bless you, Simon. Thank you. So good to be with you today in um, Northampton. Just a little drive along the A41 uh, past Silverstone and um, we've driven that road a few times now because we often see Jason and Linda quite a lot and I know where the speed cameras are. The speed camera just on the left before the Premier Inn on the way to Silverstone going that way and then going the way back it's on the opposite side as well so you've got to be careful about these um, speed cameras haven't you um, but yeah Julia and I we, we've, um, we've, we've been around a bit with our churches we planted a church in Crewe we um, bought a building did all that kind of stuff and, uh, and then went on to Newcastle upon Tyne Geordie land um, so we'll be, um, we'll be cheering on Newcastle later on this afternoon hope to win the uh, Cariobo Cup or whatever it's called um, and uh, then we've been to Birmingham and now we're in Banbury, just, um, just down the road really from you guys. Um, so I, I was just praying about uh, you know, what we should, what should bring to you today and, um, and God brought to my um, recollection, I don't know if it's on screen yet or not, this um, road um, up in Geordieland. Um, is it there yet? Have we got the first... Yeah, you can probably see it okay. It's, it's a little lane near where we lived in Gosforth in, in Newcastle. And um, I used to take my, our little black dog called Alfie, who sadly died a couple of years ago. He was 17 when he died. He had a full lifespan. And uh, I used to take him on, on walks in the summer. And uh, he was the most sanctified dog that's ever lived, I think, because being a pastor, so many things to pray about and, and, and think about and talk to God about. And I used to go up these lanes and just walk for... I used to walk in for miles. He's only a little dog. And um, as he got towards the end of his life, he just couldn't walk that far. But I love this lane. This lane is called um, Brunton Lane. And one day I was, I was just walking along this lane with my dog. And, and there were so many things that, as a pastor, that you're, you're thinking about just as, as a dad and a grandfather. And so many things on your mind. And so many things that I was just talking to God about. And um, I was just pouring my heart out to God. And there were things I was discouraged by, things I was concerned about. Things I was anxious about and, and things where I just wanted to see God break through. And, and God just reminded me of this verse. We're going to put it up on screen that, that my mother put in my uh, concordance um, when I was, I think it was just, just around about my 23rd birthday. 
and um, it's 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. And I remembered this um, verse, and um, we can put it up on screen now on the, on the road as well. And it, it's this, it's the one who has called you is faithful and he will do it. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And so as I'm walking along this road with my little black dog, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, thank you, Father, that you're the one who has called me and so you're faithful and you'll provide the cash we need for this building at the church. Thank you, Father, that you're the one who's called me and you provide the resources and, 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 the, and the people you'll do it. Thank you, God, that though I feel really inadequate right now, what you've called me to do and this assignment in my life that you've called me to, that, that you're the one who's called me and you're faithful, and you will do it. And I must have spent about half an hour, 45 minutes, going through all the things in my life that I was sort of seeking God for, and, and just sort of ending those sentences with, but thank you, Father, that you're the one who has called me, and you're faithful, and you will do it. So today, guys, I just want to unpack this um, this verse to you and um, you know Paul when, when he's uh, said these words he's, he's reassuring Thessalonians that, that the God who started a work in them will complete it that this work of sanctification as we call it it's a very religious word which, which really means just God transforming us changing us making us holy making us more like Jesus the God who started that work will complete it in you. So, so that's the, the context of it. And actually in the Greek, uh, the text reads, faithful is the one calling you, who also will perform it. That's the exact translation. Faithful is the one calling you. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. Faithful is the one calling you, who will also perform it. So here's some of my thoughts about this verse. Number one, that he's the one He's the one. We've been worshipping him this morning, haven't we? And sometimes we just forget that, don't we? In the midst of everything that is going on in our lives and everything that the world throws at us, that actually he is the one. Everything, Jason mentioned it in his prayer, that everything in our world just seems to be shaking at the moment. The Bible talks about this time of shaking and then, and then the end will come and it, it just seems like there's just, the world is in turmoil. We see what's happening in the Ukraine and, and you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I just pray so much that that war will end. I, I just long to see the day that war ends, but there's a Ukraine and the earthquakes and the famines and we've got the cost of living crisis and the politicians just don't have any idea how to solve the problems we have. They've got no idea. Maybe everything in your individual world right now is being shaken, but you need to hear this this morning. He is the one. He remains in control. It may look like everything else is out of control and, and that there are no answers, but listen, he's sovereign, he's God. He is in control. Nothing takes him by surprise. Isaiah 46, verse 9 to 10 says this, Remember the former things, those of long ago. and There is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. He's the one. I wonder if you've got that perspective this morning. Maybe God just wants to restore that perspective to you today that, that actually he's the one 
the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent one, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing. He is the one. And he's the one who's called you to follow him. He's the one. And, you know, as we think about this and think about the Thessalonians who Paul was talking to, he was saying that, you know, this work that God started in you, he will complete it, he will finish it. And maybe today you've come into church and you're struggling with stuff, you're struggling with sin and, you know, you're struggling with habits and or maybe guilt and shame and, and the past and you're very, very aware of your character flaws and the inadequacies and, and the bad habits and, and hurts from the past and the anger and pain and, and all the stuff. We, we all struggle with that stuff at times. Well, let me tell you, the one who has called you is faithful and he will do it. He's the one. He's going to complete this work in you. So don't be so hard on yourselves. Just accept that he's doing this work of, of transformation in you day by day, making you more like Jesus. I love the way the Passion Version puts 1, Thess- 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy. That's what he's doing. And may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body, be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. The one who calls you by name is trustworthy. Thank God for that. And will thoroughly complete his work in you. That's what he's doing right now. He's at work in you. He's at work in me. He's started a work in you. He's in the transformation business. He's changing you from glory to glory. And as Dallas Willard said, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. That's what you will take into eternity with you. So it might be a bit messy right now, your life. You might be really conscious of stuff and sin and mess and past and everything else. But I want to bring a message to you this morning that God wants you to know that he loves you. He accepts you. You belong to him. And he hasn't finished what he started yet, but he will do. You're a work in progress and maybe this morning you just need to give yourself permission to, to sort of accept that, that you're a work in progress that, and just say in your heart, you know, it's okay, God is working on me. You know, somebody said years ago, I remember people saying it, that he loves us so much but he, he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. He's constantly at work in us and he's the one who calls us. He's the one who calls you. And of course, this initial call is to salvation, is to a relationship uh, with God himself. We're all called to know him and, and to love him, but we also have a unique individual calling. We have an assignment from heaven. You've probably been wondering this morning, where is this assignment series that we've been doing as a church? Where is it this morning? Well, here it is. You have an assignment from heaven. Brian Houston said years ago in one of his books that we're to live called, not simply saved. I'm going to say that again. We're to live called, but not simply saved. And you know what I see as I look out on on Western Christianity? Can I really be honest this morning? There are too many Christians living saved, not called just living saved. I've got my salvation now. I'm okay. I've got my ticket to eternity. 
but not identifying the fact that actually you're, you're, you're to live called. That God has a calling and a purpose and assignment for your life. I love these, I think these, my congregation knows this, but Ephesians 1.11 are in the message, are probably, probably my favourite translation or, or verse of scripture. And it says this, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Oh, how the world needs to hear that message. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before, it gets even better this, long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Isn't that amazing? If you don't know Jesus this morning, I want you to know that long before you even heard about him, he had his eye on you. In fact, the Bible says that, that he formed us in our mother's womb and all the days ordained for us were written in his book before one of them came to pass. He had his eye on us. He has his eye on you. If you don't know him this morning, you haven't accepted Jesus into your heart, that you need to hear this morning, he loves you. He has his eye on you. But it gets better as well. He had designs on us for glorious living. Isn't that brilliant? Glorious living. Just imagine what that looks like. Are you experiencing glorious living right now? He's got his eye on you for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Now listen, we, we, need to, we need to grasp the big picture here. That overall purpose thing. What is, what is Paul talking about? You know, the purpose of God is to reconcile all things to himself. All things to himself. The Bible is very clear about that. That Jesus came to bridge the gap between, between God and man. That he died this horrendous death on the cross, so bad that the, the Romans got rid of it. They banned it after a couple of hundred years. An excruciatingly horrific death on the cross. He took our punishment upon him. He did it in order to reconcile all things to God. To make a way that we might be reconciled, brought back into relationship with God. Now here's the thing. And we don't like mentioning this in church very often. Hell is real. Hell is real. And real people are going there. Jesus spoke more about hell than he spoke about heaven. He described hell as a place of, 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 of fire, a place of eternal suffering and, and loss, a place, more importantly, that with the absence of God. So the big picture is this, that, that God's plan is to reconcile all things to himself. Jesus came to the cross to die in our place as part of that plan, the main foundation of that plan. Now here's the thing, and this is what I said to my congregation in, re in recent weeks, is this, that Jesus' vision must become our vision. His vision must become our vision. It must. It simply must. There are too many people out there going to hell. And as a church, we've got to wake up to this. His mission, our mission. Turn to your neighbour and say, his mission, our mission. And then, his mission, your mission. And poke them in the ribs, politely. His mission, your mission. Go on, poke them really hard, especially if they need to hear it this morning. His mission, your mission, matey. Your mission. But it is, isn't it? 
And now is not the time to, to sit back and, and enjoy salvation and, you know, we've got heaven one day. But listen, we need everybody on board. Everybody playing their part. I say this to my own congregation. Everybody playing their part. It, may, it might be in a small way, it might be in a large way, but every single person playing their part as part of his mission, our mission. Everyone has that assignment. Every one of us. Part of our assignment. So what is this glorious living that Paul talks about? I love this. You see, we're called, we're called to, to salvation. We have this assignment as part of the body of Christ to, to reach out to people, but, but also we have a unique assignment. Through the seasons of our lives, I'm 59 now, through the seasons of our lives, we, we have assignments from God specific to us. So we have the overall thing with the church and reaching out to people in our neighborhoods, being salt and light and all that, but we have unique assignments. And, and I have this great, I have this thing that I've carried all my life with me that I just think life should be a very big adventure. It should be an adventure with God. And this is the thing. This is the key to it. We have to surrender our lives to him. I meet too many Christians who, who have their lives like that. They're just, just packed tight. I'm in control. This is my life. And we might let God in a little bit. But we hold tightly to it and we say, I know best for my life. I, you know, I'll make the big decisions about my life. And maybe we involve God when we've already decided what we're going to do next. But if we could only just surrender our lives to God, completely surrender to him, he will take us on the most, the most incredible adventure. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in a moment. But we, but we need to surrender this thing and partner with him and then, and then we'll have the most amazing life you know why? because he saw us in our mother's womb he created us he uniquely shaped us for assignments and plans and purposes that he prepared, he prepared in advance for us to do and if we try and hold on to our lives we'll miss out if you try and hold your life too tightly I guarantee you, you'll miss out you'll miss out on experiences and relationships and adventures and nations and, and all kinds of things. If you hold your life too tightly, if you hold your life loose and say, God, just lead me and guide me. You know, that's what my book, and I'm not here to advertise my book, but Imagine is about. It's about trusting in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. In fact, one version says, prosperous and straight and you see this God what, what God wants us to do simply Proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the Lord with all your heart surrender your life to him so I want to encourage you to do that um, this morning we might pray about that at the end but you know this is the thing he has uniquely shaped us for the life that he wants us to live and you know Rick Warren in, in Saddleback Church brought this great teaching years ago now called shape and he said that 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 we are all unique human beings that have been uniquely shaped by God. So what shapes us? Spiritual gifts, number one, S. We've been given spiritual gifts by God. That, that shapes who we are. We have a heart. We have a passion for certain things that other people don't have. And that shapes us uniquely. So I love football. 
I love jelly babies as well, to be honest, but I don't know where that fits in with it. Um, but I, I, I love football, but other people don't like football. But you, you might have a heart for people. You might have a heart for mathematics or, or science or something or art or whatever, but you have a unique heart and that shapes you, that makes you the person you are. You have abilities, eh? I mean, I am useless at DIY. I do not have the DIY ability, but let me tell you this. At Christmas, I surprised even myself. We, we, had a, we had a curtain in our, in our kitchen that kept coming out of the wall. The, the raw plug kept coming out of the wall. And I was chatting to my brother, and my brother introduced me to the power of Araldite. Araldite. I mean, I've never used Araldite. I can remember my dad using it when I was a kid, but you mix these two Porsche potions together, and then you, you, you put the Araldite around the raw plug, and then you pop it back in the hole, and then screw the screw in. And, and can you believe it? that the curtain is still up today. Can you believe that? I think I deserve a round of applause. That's like a revelation to me. I'm so proud of that. But I don't have the... I can't do DIY. I'm absolutely hopeless. You marry the wrong person for DIY. I say to her some days, I have other gifts and abilities other than DIY. And you know what she says to me? What? <laughs> what? I'm still struggling for an answer with that one, to be honest. Um, but... But you have abilities. You have abilities that, you know, it might be music. You know, it might be ability with numbers or whatever, but you're getting the, the hang of this, aren't you? Spiritual gifts, heart, ability. Personality. Yeah. That's part of who you are. Some of you are really shy and quiet and you wouldn't, you wouldn't dream of coming on a platform like this. Some of you are analytical. Some of you are compassionate and have empathy for people. That, that makes you who you are. And then experiences experiences. So, so, so my wife Julia, when I met her, she'd been widowed for a year or so with three little boys. She's written this amazing book called The End of the Beginning. That was good, isn't it? I've got two of my books here without even trying here. Um, two of our books in anyway. But she's written this great book and some of you ladies heard her story. But nobody can minister to, to widows like Julia can. She's been there. She's lived it. God has brought her through that experience. And to cap it all, not only did God bring her through the experience, um, minister to her, gave her me. <laughs> what more could a woman want, really, to be honest? Let's, let's, be, let's be fair here. He gave her everything. But you see, experiences. Some of you have had all kinds of experiences, and I think it was Rick Warren who, who said that, you know, our, our greatest, you know, Suffering, our time of greatest suffering can, be our, can become a great ministry later on, become a powerful ministry to others. So I just want to encourage you this morning, you have a unique assignment, and one of the ways of working out what that unique assignment is, shape. I think the book's available on Amazon anyway, if you want to have a read of it, but shape. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experience. And then you see, when we, when we understand who God, how, how God has shaped us, when we grasp that, we can walk in his purposes comfortably in our niche because of who God has called us to be. So as I look back on my journey, I see that the way God shaped me just guided me into certain paths and certain ministries. I'll give you a few things that I've done over the years. I worked in the boys' brigade. I, I led a youth group when I, when I was young. A father, husband, grandfather. I coached the school football teams. I love, I love football. 
And we won their first cup trophy the school had ever won, junior school team. My kids went to. I ran my own retail store, planted a church, was a football chaplain, led two amazing Christian camps. I love camping. We, we established a Newcastle Dream Centre, blogging, writing books, Banbury, building kingdom, being a granddad. God knew how he'd shaped me. And let me tell you, I've loved doing all those things. You're probably listening thinking, well, why would I want to do that? That's pretty boring, isn't it? That's because you're shaped differently. So live in your shape. It's never always been easy. It's, never been, it's, it's not always been easy. There have been challenges and difficulties. But I want to tell you this morning that, in, and listen to this carefully, in every season of our life, there is a calling. There is an assignment. There are God-given assignments. You might be a student. You might be retired. You might be a single uh, mom. You might be running your own business. You might be in the early years of married life or parenting. Uh, You might be retired looking after grandchildren, but let me tell you, there is assignment in that season. Every season of our lives, there is a calling or an assignment. The key is to discover what it is and walk in it. So, do you know what you're called to do in this season? Do you know what it is that God's called you to do? Do you know what your God-given assignment is in this season? And can I release some of you, some of you who are, who are, who've got children, maybe, you know, maybe you've got one, two, three, four children. One of the things that I had to learn in that season where it's incredibly busy season, isn't it? That actually your assignment during that season, your primary assignment is to bring those children up to know Jesus, to minister to your children, to minister to your wife, to your husband. That's your primary assignment. And that can be frustrating for some of us, but that season doesn't last very long. It goes very quickly. Invest in that season. Do you know what God has given, what assignment God has given you? And here's one. If you don't know what God has given you as assignments in this season, dare you ask him? Dare you ask him? Ask him. I dare you. When I was a kid, we used to do dares all the time. And I was always the idiot who followed through on them and then got caught by the teacher or I could tell you stories about them, but the time's pressing, up, pressing on. But listen to this. What if he had a crazy new adventure for you? An assignment from heaven that you'd never anticipated. You know, I'm a great believer in this. I can remember when I was a kid being brought up in church and, and they'd say, you can't trust your heart. You know, the heart's deceitful above all things, I think it says in Proverbs. And, and yet, in the Psalms, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, for he'll give you the desires of your heart. Listen, this is a clue to your assignments sometimes, that you get these desires in your heart to do something. Let me tell you that, you know, test it, but so often, that's where the assignment starts, because God puts a desire in your heart to do something. Some of you need to follow through on that, to test it out to start serving, to start building, to to take that first step. When will you take that first step to that assignment that God has put on your heart to do? Listen, let me tell you this. There is nothing more fulfilling on earth than being the person that God has created you to do in the role that he's called you to, the assignment, the purpose. There's nothing more fulfilling. You do it for nothing. You get up early in the morning. You do all kind, you, you know, you just work, you, you know, you might have a full-time job, but you'll, you'll find time. Why? Because you're in, you're in your lane, aren't you? You're in the zone that God has called you to. So when he comes calling, how are you going to respond? 
You know, Jesus went walking down a road one day and calling people to follow him and, and, and people responded like this, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. I wonder how you respond. Maybe God's knocking on the door of your heart right now. I wonder how you respond. You just dismiss it. Say, well, this is a good message, but we're having lunch soon and... You know, I'll give it a thought sometime in the future. Maybe, maybe you make excuses. Maybe you say that the difficulties and obstacles and we have a lack of resources. You know, we can't do it right now. Maybe you're going to wait until the circumstances and conditions are absolutely right. That will never happen. Rarely happen. Maybe you're just going to disobey God. Maybe he's been telling you to do something for a long time now and you're just disobeying him. Let's put this quote on screen. I don't know who said this, but... Um, you know, every moment my thoughts are saying no to the God of the universe, they're saying yes to the enemy of my soul. Every moment my thoughts are saying no to the God of the universe, they're saying yes to the enemy of my soul. This is the tragedy, you know, when we disobey God, when we, we're just going to miss out on what he has for us. You know, it's my conviction that some Christians have become so used to saying no to God, they've forgotten how to say yes. Are you one of them this morning? You're so used to saying no, or discreetly no. No. You've forgotten how to say yes. And you know, Jesus said something, didn't he, about when we say yes to the small things, God will start to lead us into the big things. Those big things will blow our minds so how, how do you how do you step into all this stuff how do you, how how do you step into this calling and understand uh, under simon you need to understand the way god shaped you here's a thing you can do begin to serve for me that's one of the ways that people discover their assignment they try a few things fill a gap at church fill a gap in the ministries of the church just step in serve somewhere do what you can do now. I remember a preacher saying that decades ago. The way to find our callings, do what you can do. If there's a vacancy, step into it for a bit and serve in that role. Fill an obvious gap. A young Geordie Christian, Alan Redpath, um, he was actually quite a well-known rugby, uh, rugby player. He regularly attended church, uh, but he was not particularly active or committed to God. And, and one day a friend said to him, Alan, is it possible to have a saved soul? but a wasted life. Is it possible to have a saved soul, but a wasted life? And you know, that just struck a chord with Alan Redpath. And um, he, the next day he was playing rugby in a, in a different town. And um, so he went on the train and he was lying down in the, in the seat in the train and, and, and the wheels were going round the, as, a, as the train moved forward, the momentum of the train. And all he heard as the wheels going round was saved soul, wasted life. Save soul, wasted life. Save soul, wasted life. And, um, and then they went to play rugby. And when he's in the scrum, he can hear the pounding of the feet of the players around him. And all he can hear is save soul, wasted life. Save soul, wasted life. And that night they went to a party and the band was playing and the music was playing. But Alan wasn't hearing the music. He was just hearing this beat of save soul, wasted life. Save soul, wasted life. And so he got on his knees in his hotel room and, and, and surrendered his life to God. You know, that man went on to become an amazing pastor and preacher. 
in London, in, in Chicago, in the Moody Church, and Charlotte Chapel in Edinburgh. Amazing, isn't it? Save soul, wasted life. You know, we live in a world where um, loyalty and faithfulness is constantly being challenged and questioned, but God is faithful. The one who calls you is faithful. God has proved himself faithful to Julia and I in, in every way during our lives. Shall I tell you something? You probably don't know this. I was given up for adoption at six weeks old, deserted by my parents, but God's been faithful. We've been through all kinds of stuff. Jason and Linda know our story. We've been through all kinds of stuff, but he is faithful. The one who has called you is faithful. God never made a promise that was too good to be true. He's faithful to all his promises and loving to all whom he has made. I wonder if you've experienced his faithfulness. I, I guess many of us have experienced his faithfulness. He's seen us through ill health and challenge and problems and, and anxieties and fears and losses and, and all kinds of things. He's answered so many prayers. Well, how about this morning taking a step forward into your assignment and finding God faithful in new ways? Because that's what he wants us to do. He doesn't want us just to experience his faithfulness for the everyday life stuff. He wants us to experience his faithfulness as we Follow that call that he's given us, that assignment for this season we're in right now. So I'm going to encourage you this morning to take a step of faith, to use what God has put inside you. Begin to serve, begin to give, to sacrifice. Take up that God-given assignment. You know, when we went to Bible college in, in 1992, as a year Jason and Linda went, um, we, Jason and I, we used to sit on the, at the back of the class and... I don't know, muck around really. I, I don't think we really learned that much, but, um, or remember much from it. But anyway, God was very gracious to us. But when we went to college in 1992, we had four children at the time. We had debts of over £10,000. Our house wasn't uh, rented back in Leicester. We had no income. We had no money to rent the house we moved into. We had no grant. We had £5 in our pocket. And Julia's sister brought all our furniture in, in a horse trailer which had got straw and all kinds of muck in it, to the house in Danwich. We had no course fees, and, um, and yet God was faithful. Faithful to us. Provided in every way, cleared all our debts, provided grants and all kinds of things. Martin Luther King said this, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. We've seen his faithfulness over the years. I could spend all morning telling you the faithfulness of God to us as individuals, but also in his church, in building church, in transforming lives, in salvation and healing and miracles and breakthroughs and, and all kinds of stuff. So this is a thing this morning. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. This is a thing we want to close with. He will do it. He is the one who is faithful. And you might feel completely out of depth at times with, with the assignment you have or the assignment that you think you're heading towards. You may be saying to yourself, why has he called me? Why has he called me to study? It's, it, it's so hard. I'm out of my comfort zone. I want to quit. Maybe, maybe why has God called me to this marriage? She doesn't do anything that I tell her to do. And she replies, and he doesn't do anything. You know, why has God called me to this in this assignment? Or being a parent. 
Perhaps the most challenging call, you know, I mean, who invented kids? Like, what? You know, why weren't they born at 18? That would have been so much easier, wouldn't it? Or maybe not. I mean, yeah, some of you have probably got 18-year-olds. Why has he called me to serve on this team? I have to get to church early every week. Yes. Yes. Or to run this business or launch this new ministry. I hate my job. You know, why has God called me to this? What, that job you prayed about? Why has he called me to this? You know, you're in good company if you feel like that. Jonah asked why me and did a runner. Moses said, send someone else. Saul was found hiding at his own coronation. Let's hope King Charles doesn't do that in May. Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest and I'm the least in my family. I want to tell you this as we close, that you're in good company. And with God's help, you can do it. The one who has called you is faithful and he will do it. He knows that you need his help. And here's the thing, he doesn't look at the outside appearance or the intellect or the experience or anything else, but where he calls, he enables, he equips, he provides. And, and this is the thing that I love. He loves, to be, he, loves to, he loves to be glorified through ordinary men and women. He loves to do that. I'm sure one day in eternity he said, I'm going to pick out that Lawton bloke who didn't do anything at school and pull him out and minister through him to other people and build church. And there have been so many times during my life where, where I felt completely inadequate, lacking the necessary skills and experience, poorly qualified, out of my depth, overwhelmed. But I've chosen to stand on this promise daily that the one who has called me is faithful and he will do it. I want to encourage you today to stand on that promise. That the one who has called you is faithful He's faithful and he will do it in you and through you. Shall we stand together? Come to a close. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord, we worship you this morning. We honour you. We thank you that you're the one who has called us you're the one who calls us. You're the one who gives us an assignment. And you're faithful to us in everything you've called us to do. And you will do it. Here's the thing, right? This is what I want us to do as we, as we come to a close. I just feel so much this sermon, you know, requires a response from us. Preaching demands a response from us. I want some of you to know that, that you responded this morning, not that you just stood where you were and, and, and forgot about it, but you know you did something this morning in response to this assignment, this sermon. In my church over the first three weeks of this year, I preached this message called Captured, Not Caught. And this was the thing, I, I felt God say that there are, there are so many of us as God's people who've been caught by the things of this world. We've been caught by the busyness and everything that's going on and work and career and ambition and home and family and everything else. Just, just caught by everything. Our, our lives are crazy, aren't they? So much going on. Caught by, you know, our past, maybe shame, maybe sin, guilt, I don't know, whatever it is. Some bad stuff. Caught by that stuff. But here's the thing. That, that God wants to capture our hearts again. 
if we're to, to live out this, this amazing adventure that God's called us to, it has to start with us, him capturing our hearts again. Capture our hearts again. Surrender to him again. Some of you this morning, need to, you need to say to him, I dare you. God, show me what that assignment is. And I'll do it. So if you want your heart to be captured rather than caught, I, I want to call you out of your seats right now and just call you as quickly as you can to come down to the front. I know some of you are up in the balcony and, and just come and kneel at the front and just say, God, capture my heart. I, gi- I give you all that busyness and all that craziness. I want you to capture my heart again on this Sunday morning. I want you to do something new in me. You come out of your seats. Don't, be a, don't, don't wait. We haven't got uh, too long in here this morning just to pray, but capture my heart, Lord. I've been caught by all kinds of stuff. Come and capture my heart again. I want to surrender to you. I'm making this an act of surrender to you. Just come and kneel at the front, guys in the balcony. New start today. Capture my heart, Lord. Do something new in me. Do something fresh. A few people kneeling at the front here this morning, but can I be honest with you? You should all be knelt at the front this morning and say, God, capture my heart this morning. Do something new in me. Do something new in me. I'm surrendering to you. Save soul. Wasted life. Save soul. Wasted life. Lord, I don't want to have a saved soul, but a wasted life. I want to live this life for you from this point on. Come on, guys. There's more of you should be coming out this morning. This is not about me. This is a God moment. This is a moment with God. And remember, if you hold your life too tightly, you'll miss out on everything he has for you. This morning's the moment to just... To just come and kneel before him and say, God, this is, this is me. I'm here this morning. I want this big adventure. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Save soul, wasted life. Save soul, wasted life. So, Father, we raise our hands before you this morning. Father, we say capture our hearts. Capture our hearts again. Forgive us for getting distracted by all kinds of things. And we say capture our hearts again, Father. Maybe it just helps you just to put your hand on your heart and just say, God, Father, capture my heart again this morning. Capture my heart. I give you my life my ambitions, my dreams, my finance, my home, my family, my, my desires, my longings. I give you my past, my shame, my guilt, the sin that, that so easily entangles me. Everything that's getting in the way, I just give it to you. My preconceived ideas and just bring my heart to you and I say Father capture my heart this morning do something new in me today and Father for each one of us this morning Father we we just want to say to you Father that we thank you for the assignment those of us who know what it is we thank you for that assignment empower us this morning equip us in every way 
And for the rest of us, Father, we, we just say, we, we say, Father, show us our assignment. Until we know what it clearly is, Father, we just make a, a, a choice today to serve where we can, to do what we can, until we know what you're calling us to do. So can some of our guys just come and pray with these guys at the front and just lay hands on them just for a moment and just pray for them to be for God just to minister to them in this moment and thank you Father so Father we just pray for all those who are kneeling this morning maybe there are others kneeling around this auditorium that, that I can't see from here Father but we just pray Father you seal what you're doing this morning in every heart and in every life, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen.